Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Goliath Technologies and Liquidware. If you enjoy the podcast each week, you have them to thank. Now for some news. This week, the 10th annual VMworld was held in San Francisco with several big announcements. Two of these announcements included Tanzu and something called Project Pacific. Forbes had a rather leading tweet on this topic that said VMware is moving away from virtual machines to containerized applications. My interpretation is certainly that yes, VMware intends to secure their position with the rise of containers, they are not about to get left behind. And with Project Pacific specifically, it said to bring the large existing VMware infrastructure community directly to the Kubernetes that is growing so much in popularity, making VMware the leading enabler for Kubernetes. VMware today are actually the third most active contributors to the Kubernetes open project, so they are very much in on the technology. And I think this makes a lot of sense. So if you look at, say, vCenter or even Citrix Zen Server, some of the later versions, they have both been embracing container support and management within them. But Kubernetes has emerged as the darling for those wanting to manage and orchestrate containers. So rather than trying to fight that, I think it's a smart idea for VMware to build into or around it, encompassing it into their platform, which Project Pacific seemingly will do. I also mentioned Tanzu as an announcement. With Tanzu, they hope to transform the way organizations build, run, and manage software on Kubernetes. ZDNet reports that VMware Tanzu Mission Control will allow customers to have a single point of control to manage all of their conformant Kubernetes clusters regardless of where they are running, be that in vSphere, up in public clouds, and managed services, package distributions, or just their own rolled or built Kubernetes. It looks like Tanzu will bring together tech from three of the recent VMware acquisitions, uh, Cloud Health for showing health of components and assessing Kubernetes clusters, Bitnami for providing a ready-to-run pre-built set of applications, and Heptio for the overall management capabilities. I believe Heptio is actually the ones who are building this mission control type of product initially, which is why VMware likely acquired them, and now they're baking in some of the other capabilities provided by their Cloud Health acquisition and Bitnami. In fairness, it's pretty cool to now see this vision and the reasons for acquiring these three startups. And this could actually be a tip of the week, but there was also a session on Kubernetes resource management for vSphere admins by Michael Gosh at VMworld this week, which is now available on demand. So if you want to learn a little bit more about Kubernetes and managing that within vSphere, if you're like a infrastructure engineer today or a server admin who's pretty well up on vSphere, this could maybe bridge the gap in your knowledge if you're not familiar with Kubernetes and certainly apply it to the world you are living and working in today with vSphere. ITProToday.com have reported on the announcement of enhancements to virtual network cloud management and its setup, bringing the same one-click setup simplicity that you get with other cloud components to the network side with VMware. 
The new features include the introduction of an advanced load balancer for NSX that's based on software that was previously available through AVI Networks Platform or AVI Networks Platform. I know I covered the acquisition of that a few weeks ago and I still don't know which one it is. But anyways, um, this is another example of VMware utilizing a recent acquisition. Also announced was NSX Intelligence, a distributed analytics engine built natively into NSX-T, the company's software-defined network and security platform. VMware's software-defined WAN now has increased scalability through the use of stateless and horizontally scalable gateways that span the major cloud providers and hundreds of global underlay carrier networks. VMware have said that it is akin to the architecture of public clouds like AWS, Azure, and Google Cloud. So that's quite the statement, putting themselves into the same company as those large leading cloud platforms in terms of their SD-WAN. VMware's EUC team also had some announcements, including a new Workspace ONE concierge service. They've partnered with IBM to bring IBM Watson into the platform to provide a new intelligent hub virtual assistant that can intake voice or text commands and act as a bot to provide the first layer of service for your users. They've also announced integration with Atlassian Jira Service Desk, providing a further ITSM supported within the platform. Also announced is a preview of a new digital employee experience management which allows IT to proactively tackle issues, review a breadcrumb trail to understand why an app has crashed and what led up to it, and eventually a user experience score. BrianMen.com reports that this is currently an early release for existing Workspace ONE intelligence customers. There's also a user and device risk score provided through VMware's analytics, which sounds a little like a feature that's in Citrix Analytics today, which is pretty great because now both Workspace products provide that security layer. VMware Workspace ONE has supported Okta integration from very early on, and now according to BrianMadden.com, support for Okta Universal Directory, which is Okta's own stripped-down simple directory service for those who maybe don't fancy AD integration for external-facing services, will also be supported. There were a few other interesting tidbits that popped up during the EUC event that caught my eye, like say support for migrating users from legacy Android device admin enrollment to the more fleshed out Android enterprise, and also the ability to persist the workspace one agent when you perform a Dell PC wipe. I have to say a thank you to Jack Madden and the team at BrianMadden.com and also to all of the VMware EUC champions for sharing the EUC news from the event. Unfortunately, the more mainstream tech media outlets continue to give the EUC offerings very little real estate in their articles reviewing VMworld. Workspace ONE is such an ambitious product, I think it deserves more attention than some are giving it. Due to the timing of last week's episode, something I didn't get to cover was the VMware acquisitions of Carbon Black for $2.1 billion and Pivotal for $2.7 billion. While I'm sure Pivotal will fit nicely into the Kubernetes offering in future, the Carbon Black acquisition is pretty different 
and very interesting to me as it's an endpoint protection product within the VMware stack potentially. ITPro.co.uk reports that part of the intention is for customers today who may have multiple agents installed on given machines doing all kinds of different things related to endpoint protection in future may only need one agent through Carbon Black. And potentially Carbon Black could be rolled into VMware Workspace ONE as a feature. Interestingly there's also work already underway for agentless security hooking right into vSphere. That is a really interesting proposal as antivirus running within VMs can be quite a pain. If there is an adjacent security product running within the host, that could be a big win for customers. Now details are pretty sparse at this time. I'm not sure if it's going to completely replace antivirus in guest on the VMs, but that's kind of my hope. Maybe I'm way off base with what they intend to do. There are also plans reportedly to integrate Carbon Black into NSX to provide enhanced security analytics. There was also a VMware relevant announcement by Microsoft this week too. Finally, there will be support for VMware Workstation running side by side with Windows hypervisor platform on the same device. This is something that has personally been a pain for me. I love VMware Workstation. It continues to be one of my favorite VMware products, but I also rely on Hyper-V on, on my workhorse PC for running some container loads that require Hyper-V as a feature enabled. Right now, the two do not work together. Microsoft State, it's in pre-release right now, so hopefully it'll be in full release shortly. August 24th marked the 24th anniversary of Windows 95. And just a reminder, if you want a nostalgia kick, Felix Reisberg has a nifty Electron containerized version of Windows 95 that's available to download and play with. I featured it on one of the very early episodes of this podcast, and I'll share a link to it again with this episode, which is episode 87. And you'll find it on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links. Recently, I shared a write-up that I did on Droplet Computing, which is a really interesting product that lets you containerize your legacy operating systems in a secure, isolated container, which then allows you to run those pesky old apps that you just can't run on Windows 10 or newer versions of Windows Server, but you also just can't get away from. You need a way to bring these forward, and Droplet Computing can provide a way to bring them forward. Also, how many of us have had to deal with a legacy application that nobody has the install instructions for, or even install media? It makes it impossible to move forward with those. Droplet Computing also represents an opportunity to solve that problem. So if you want to learn more about that, I'll share a link for that article with this episode too. So the news highlights covering VMworld are likely going to take up uh, some time on this week's episode. So I'm going to be pretty short with some of the other news items that I'm going to carry. But with that said, Ars Technica had a really interesting article about hackers actively trying to steal passwords from those running FortiGate and Pulse Secure VPNs. The hackers have been spraying, which is essentially casting that wide net out over the internet, trying to find customers of these VPNs and then trying to find out credentials through data from other breaches and other means. 
These flaws have already been patched by the vendors, so if you use those VPNs, which I know at least there's a lot of Pulse Secure VPN users out there, you better get patching now. In that vein, ZDNet reports that ransomware attacks have more than doubled this year, which is evident in each week's news roundup on this podcast, and I'm sure will only increase in future. ZDNet also reports that CamScanner, an app available on Google Play Store, has recently started to install malware. This is troubling as the app has been available since 2010 and has been downloaded over 100 million times. Kaspersky started investigating the app after researchers noticed a patch of recent negative reviews on the Google Play Store. It appears the malware was injected by an in-app ad that Kaspersky speculates was added by one of the app developers' partners who is an unscrupulous advertiser. Google has already taken action and removed the app from the store, but if you have it installed already, you may want to think about removing that. And now this episode's hot job. Kroger are seeking an enterprise Citrix engineer in Ohio. The Citrix engineer position collaborates with teammates to provide and implement and design the Kroger Citrix environment. In addition to engineer, they must provide advanced support to Kroger customers and technology mentoring to teammates. They must have Citrix's Zen app, Zen desktop, Windows Server 2016 and up, Active Directory, AppV 5.x, Citrix virtual apps, and PowerShell experience. Netscaler, app layering, and NAS storage and knowledge of VMware server is also a desired plus. Some of the job functions include evaluate vendor technical and support capabilities, support and maintain infrastructure solutions utilizing required tools and technologies, provide off-hour support 24-7 as required, which I'm assuming means there's an on-call rota, uh, follow appropriate change release management practices, define and create operational and procedures, processes, and scripts, and, you know, just, you know, the general spec for these types of positions. Minimum qualifications includes five or more years experience in support or engineering for the specific disciplines. That includes things like security, database, network, desktop, uh, Citrix, directory services, and so on. You must have excellent communication and presentation skills and a proven ability to understand company business problems and identify probable technical solutions to those problems. So some of that's just cookie cutter stuff. The candidate should have a bachelor's degree or related equivalent work experience in information systems positions, certifications within their disciplines, extensive knowledge of data modeling and design and business process designs, and more. I'd just like to put out a reminder. If you listen to the show and you ever have an open position that you're trying to fill but you having difficulty finding someone, I am more than willing to share it on an episode of the podcast in this hot job segment. Just reach out to me on Twitter or via email, rory at rorymon.com, and I'll try to feature it. And now the weekly webinar. I touched on it a little earlier in the podcast, but it's worth repeating. The VMworld 2019 sessions are now available on demand. If, like me, you could not attend in person, you can now catch up on any sessions you missed at vmworld.com. And now, scripts, tricks, and tips. 
So first, some kind of inconsequential scripts, not ones that you're going to likely utilize in an enterprise environment, but are pretty cool and fun nonetheless. So Mark Rag shared a script on Twitter and from his GitHub repo that's called Lumos that can automatically adjust your desktop scheme from light mode to dark mode and back depending on the time of day. It's a really simple thing, but it's something I thought was pretty cool. And it works for both Windows 10 and Mac OS. So when I lived in the US, when I first moved there, since I didn't know my way around, I relied on a Garmin sat-nav device. And you know, when sunset would come, it would flip to dark mode, and during daylight, it would be in light mode. So that's something I thought would be kind of cool to apply to my own desktop. A little more enterprise IT related and somewhat of a shameless self-promotion here, but I had the pleasure of contributing to the desktop as a service what matrix. I got to do a deep dive into Cloud Jumper, providing a blog post on that, but also adding it to the matrix to allow you to do a side-by-side, feature-by-feature comparison of the different desktop as a service offerings on the market, including Cloud Jumper now. And you don't just have to rely on what we've put out there data-wise, you can actually select what features are most important to you. So like maybe you want a certain protocol or certain management capabilities more than others. You can actually weight those particular features and generate your own custom report that will show you what product suits your needs the best. And that's it for another episode. Thank you all so much for listening.